our scripture today, Jesus deals with some of those trying to undermine his ministry. We're reading from Matthew 22, beginning with verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. That same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage, They'll be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. This is the word of God for the people of God. Hello, Christ Church and all of our friends joining us today, if you're with us on Facebook, say hello to other friends in the chat. Let us know you're here. If you're on the website, we'd love to hear from you too. Send us a prayer request or a praise report. And of course, you can follow along with me on my outline on the website or the church app. How are you doing today? The sunshine this week has been great. I hope you've been able to enjoy some of it. God is so good. Did you experience some of God's goodness this week? If you can share a story of God's goodness with someone, do it. We all need to hear them. Today I'm continuing my Lenten message series, Holy Week, focused on those last seven days of Jesus' life. Over these 40 days of Lent, we're encouraged to repent of our sins and shortcomings and to reflect on our spiritual lives. As we journey through the events of Holy Week, that most amazing and impactful last week of Jesus' life, we're also asking the questions. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus today? And how does Jesus' life, death, and resurrection impact my life? Remember, to those earliest disciples, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What did that mean to them? What does that mean to us today? 
That's the big question for this series. Previously, we've seen Palm Sunday was a day of celebration. Jesus entered Jerusalem triumphantly, riding on a donkey, fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy, chapter 9, verse 9. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. There was great expectation surrounding Jesus that day, but he came not in the way that they anticipated. Monday was a day of strong emotions. As Jesus came back to the city, he wept over Jerusalem because of so much spiritual blindness. Too many people did not recognize who he was or the peace that he wanted to bring. Jesus wept. He got angry a little later too. When he arrived at the temple, he was upset by all the distractions that were keeping people from genuinely seeking God. So he cleansed the temple of the sellers and the money changers. He said, my father's house shall be a house of prayer and you have made it a den of robbers. It was a day of weeping, a day of anger, a day of strong emotions. Sunday was a day of celebration. Monday, strong emotions. Tuesday was a time of teaching. Jesus, we know, came, pre he came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He taught with authority and people came from all over to hear his message. That certainly was true the last week of his life. The people were eager to hear his words. Throughout his ministry, people flocked to hear him. He taught in wisdom and power. He taught with an authority people recognized was unique. Remember this, truth captivates. Truth rings true in the heart. The human heart was created to know and to recognize the truth. Luke 19.48 says about Jesus, All the people, what? Hung on his words. People were eager to hear Jesus' teachings. His Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, these and more, all means of illustrating life in the kingdom of heaven, life in the kingdom of God. People were captivated. Captivated by his pronouncements. He would say, you've heard it said, but I tell you, and then things like, don't lust in your heart or love your enemies, or pray for those who persecute you. Give to those who ask of you. Jesus' teaching calls us to live by a higher standard, and He knows that our lives will be blessed and fulfilled when we do. People were captivated by His pronouncements, by His parables too, stories that He told to make a point. Remember the sower and the soils? The parable about the condition of our hearts. The seed, remember, the Word of God doesn't grow well in hard or rocky or thorny soil. But when our hearts are like good soil, when our hearts are prepared, the seed multiplies some 30, 60, 100 times. That parable preaches. Remember the wise builder who built on rock instead of sand. The foundation of our life matters. Remember the story of the shepherd and the lost sheep 
God loves the outcast, the lost, the marginalized, and He wants us to love them too. Remember the unmerciful servant, the, the importance of forgiveness. The servant had this huge debt that his master forgave him. But then he refused to forgive this small debt from his fellow servant. Forgiveness is so important. I'm sure we all have our favorite parable of Jesus. They are so captivating. Well, during that last week of his life, Jesus told some pointed parables. Remember the one about the two sons. He said one was told to go do his father's will. And then he said, I don't want to do it, but he did. The other said, I'll go do it. And then he didn't. This was pointed at the Jewish leaders. There was the parable about the vineyard tenants who mistreated the master's servants and then killed the master's only son. Again, Jesus was pointing at the Jewish leaders and what they were going to be doing to Him. The parable of the ten virgins. Remember, five were prepared for the bridegroom's coming. Five were not. We need to be prepared. The talents. Two servants, remember, used their gifts and talents wisely and were commended for them. One did not. And out of fear, he buried his talent. He was rebuked. Remember, we need to use the gifts that God has given us. He also that last week told the parable of the sheep and the goats. The sheep and the goats were divided on the basis of what they did or did not do when it came to the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, prisoners. Jesus said, what you did or didn't do to them, you did or didn't do to me. Jesus also talked about the signs of His coming and the signs of the end of the age, what to look for. Wars, and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, persecution, false prophets. He said there'll be an increase in wickedness and coldness of heart. He told His disciples, no one except the Father knows when this is going to happen, but that we as His disciples should always be ready. People were eager then. Many people are eager today as well to hear Jesus' teachings. Perhaps more so because of all the circumstances surrounding this pandemic. People are hungry and in need and recognize it. They're seeking God and His truth. Every week, children, youth, and adults are connecting with Christ Church and seeking God, longing for His truth. We've had to learn to share the good news in different ways during this pandemic, and God has helped us. Online and Zoom technology have opened up the whole new ways of sharing. There are always some people eager we're committed to helping them find Jesus, His way, truth, and life. Many people were eager to hear Jesus' words. But not everyone. The religious and political leaders were trying to trap Jesus. Write trap in the chat. They wanted to discredit Jesus. Get Him to say something they could use against Him. They wanted to bring him down a notch with the people, get him in trouble with the Romans. And why? They were jealous, envious, threatened by his power, his authority, his following. Matthew twenty-two fifteen 15 says, 
Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to what? Trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. You know, Jesus will always have his critics. He'll always have those who try to trip him up. We'll always have those who try to discredit his words or muddy his claims. We know that the enemy hates Jesus. Many others dislike him because he confronts our selfishness and idolatry. And he calls us to a different way of life. The way of loving God and loving our neighbor. Of giving up our sinful and selfish ways. Jesus will always have critics and, and detractors. What do we do about them? Well, we love them. We dialogue with them to a point, And yet, we focus primarily on our mission from Jesus and reach out to those who are seeking Him. The Pharisees and the Herodians came with a question about taxes. It's an age-old question. Should we pay taxes to those governments in authority over us? The Pharisees were fierce nationalists. They didn't like the Romans or their taxes. The Herodians, on the other hand, supported Roman rule of the Herods and were okay with taxes. Now, these two groups normally didn't like each other, but both of them were threatened by Jesus. So they got together and tried to trap him. If Jesus said, no, don't pay taxes, the Herodians would report him to the Roman governor who could have him executed for treason. If Jesus said, yes, do pay taxes, the Pharisees would denounce him for being disloyal to the Jewish nation, being soft on the Roman question, which would hopefully cause him to lose favor with the people. In Matthew 22:16 and 17, we read, Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. You know, what a great testimony about Jesus. He's a man of integrity. He teaches the truth. He isn't swayed by others. That's who he is. That's who we should be too. Well, they went on. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus asked for a coin. And he asked them, whose inscription is on this? And they said, Caesar's. And so he says to them in Matthew 22:21, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Remember this. Jesus is pragmatic about life on earth and following him. In other words, pay your taxes. Be a good citizen. Voice your opinions. Vote your conscience. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. We give God our life, our heart, our faith, our obedience. Another tangible expression of giving to God what is God's is our tithe. Jesus encourages us to give generously. Give, He said, and it will be given unto you. I encourage proportional giving. The tithe, 10%. The tithe being the goal. Start at 1% to 2%. And then, if you can, increase it over time to 3 to 5 And eventually, 7 to 10%. What does that look like for you today? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, to God what is God's.
The Pharisees and the Herodians came asking about taxes and money. The Sadducees, a bit later, came with a question about resurrection, life after death. The Sadducees were the priestly class who held the majority of the Sanhedrin. They didn't believe in the resurrection. It's not specifically mentioned in the first five books of the Law of Moses, so they didn't believe it. They came up with a hypothetical question about a woman who was widowed seven times in succession to seven brothers to try and trip up Jesus. In Matthew 22:28, we read, Now then they asked at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? I can imagine the smirk on the faces of these Sadducees. Let's see how you're going to answer this. Jesus replies right back, You are in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. Smirk, gone. Those were tough words from Jesus. You don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. Can that ever be said of us? I'm afraid it can. That's why we need to read the Scriptures ourselves, study them. Be in groups with others where we can study, where we can talk about them. We need to open our minds in faith to God and His eternal power. Jesus assumed a resurrection. In the resurrection, He said, people will neither marry nor will they be given in marriage. In other words, Jesus is saying life in heaven will be different from what it's like here. Now that makes sense to me. It's going to be different. I like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. We believe in resurrection because Jesus believed in resurrection and He taught about it. And He was then raised back to life after His death the ultimate testimony to the power of God and the truth of the resurrection, the truth of Jesus' life and His teaching, His own resurrection. But I get ahead of myself. After the Herodians and the Sadducees struck out, the Pharisees came back again, this time with a question about the law. That was their specialty. They considered themselves the guardians of the Torah. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four 34 says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now the trap here was obvious. To emphasize any one particular law could mean you're de-emphasizing other aspects of it. There were 635 scribal laws, all of them equally important. They kept the scribes busy too. Jesus again outwits them. Quoting from the Shema of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6.5, He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. 
And then he quotes from Leviticus 19.18, Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love God. Love others. Do that, Jesus implied, and you can toss out your 635 scribal laws and you religious lawyers will be out of a job too. Well, the Pharisees were not able to trip up or trap Jesus either. He answered his critics. He confounded his detractors. He captivated the crowds. Everyone was astonished at Jesus' teaching, its authority, its insight, its relevance, its truth. Within Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, we can catch a vision of how God intends the world to be and how we can enter into that kingdom of heaven right now by following Him. If you haven't done that, I pray you will. That's why in every generation there are many people whose simple story is that they have encountered the living Jesus by reading the Gospels, reading the story of His life, considering His teachings, pondering the witness of the prophets of God who foretold His coming, many persons setting out to disprove the good news about Jesus ended up finding Him by reading the Scriptures instead. People like C.S. Lewis, Malcolm Muggeridge, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Nicky Gumbel, Lee Strobel. For those willing to seriously consider Jesus' life and teachings, they are compelling. And Jesus' teachings are relevant in every age. We need Jesus and His teachings again in our age. Teachings about loving our neighbors, praying for our enemies, seeking out the lost, serving the needy, extending forgiveness, using our talents, being prepared, exercising our faith, trusting in God, experiencing peace, being faithful, practicing generosity. Which of Jesus' teachings is most needed in your life? That's another good question to be asking during this Lenten season. As we approach Jesus' teachings with humility and awareness of our need, the Holy Spirit that He has sent leads us and guides us in the truth. That is good news, my friends. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we are grateful today for the teachings of Jesus. He came into the world to teach us and help us to understand more fully about You and Your kingdom. Through the mystery of the Incarnation, His life and witness shows us the most complete picture of who You are to be seen. O oh Lord, we acknowledge our need for all Your help today. Our world is in a mess, and You understand that more completely than anyone. May we be people eager to hear again Jesus' words, eager to hear His teachings that they might more fully shape and impact our lives as we follow Him. There will always be critics and detractors. No surprises there. But help us to stay focused on sharing Jesus' good news with those who do hunger and thirst for righteousness, that they 
may be filled. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I hope and pray the message spoke to you today. People were eager to hear Jesus' words, His teachings. We need the impact of Jesus' teachings in our world today more than ever. If you have questions about the message, I'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to visit more about having a new life in Jesus Christ, I'd love to visit with you about that too. Maybe you've joined us today and you have prayer requests or praise reports. Send them to us. We want to hear from you. Use the app. Go to the website. Are you grateful for God's blessings in your life? You know, giving back is a tangible way to thank God for His generosity. You can use text to give, the app, go to the website, or mail in contributions. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Be sure to take advantage of our discipleship opportunities and find all the information you need on our website, cumctulsa.com. God bless you today. Remember, Jesus' teaching is relevant in every generation. Look for these upcoming opportunities. For now, which of Jesus' teachings do you most need to remember and apply in your life today? Hey, Lisa. Hey, Brittany. So, guess what? What? My friend called me the other day, mm -hmm. and she said that she accidentally glued herself to her autobiography. She glued herself to her autobiography? I was a little skeptical myself, but she said uh, it's her story and she's sticking to it. <laughs> On Sunday, March 21st, we'd like you to take a hike. As the weather warms, we're headed outside. Take a hike, we'll start at the base of Turkey Mountain at 2 p.m. Grab your friends and let's move. Parenting has never been easy. Do you know a parent who is hurting because of choices their teen or adult children are making? We have a monthly support group for hurting parents that will meet Sunday, March 14th at 5 p.m. on Zoom. Parent to Parent is a non-judgmental supportive group that can provide a place for parents to share and learn. Anyone is welcome to join. The next meeting is today, March 7th at 5.30 p.m. You can find all of this information on our website, cumctulsa.com.